Welcome to Love Talk, Love Talk for Everyday People. I am your host, Tracy J. Hines, and with me tonight, I have my co-hosts, Leslie Lee and Terry Saleh. Hello, Leslie. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Terry. How's everybody? Good. Good. Hi, Leslie. Terry. Hi, Tracy. How are you? Hope you all had a great holiday. We did. I did, at least. You know, Leslie, you did too, I'm sure. Yep. It was quiet. I, I didn't overeat. I didn't stuff myself, so that was a good thing. But the food was fantastic, and I don't know why we only wait till once a year to throw down like that. I don't know. <laughs> I think we, we should have do it Thanksgiving and Christmas. Sometimes Easter. <laughs> sometimes we throw down. Right. Sometimes Easter you'll get a nice little meal. But Thanksgiving and Christmas. Would you say, Leslie, because we'd be fat? Because we'd be too damn fat. Who needs to eat like that on a regular basis? <laughs> yeah, it is over the top. I was telling Terry before you got on the line, you know, we were I was supposed to have a date Saturday, but I didn't, um, so that's that. But I did meet someone, you know, I walk in the morning, I do three miles in the morning, and I pass this guy every single morning, and um, one morning he decided to chit-chat with me and asked me for my number, and um, he's from New York, Jamaican guy, just moved around here, not bad looking, so we'll see, we'll see, okay. we'll see what's up. Yeah, life is interesting, I guess what? I said, keep us posted. I shall. I shall. Well, you know, um, we talk about relationships all the time. Um, this week, I kind of want to dig into this story that is just going viral on social media. It's about a relationship, but a different kind of relationship. Uh, Centoya Brown. Um, either of you, you ladies have heard the story, right? What's going on? Mm-hmm. I have. This young, this young lady. Yeah, I'm familiar in- a little bit with, yeah. Okay. She's been in jail for uh, 13 years, if I'm not mistaken, and she was arrested um, and charged with first-degree murder when she was 16. She wasn't charged as a juvenile. She was charged as an adult, and the man she murdered was a 43-year-old white man who had been having sex with this 13-year-old who purchased her. Um and having sex. And I guess during one of those episodes, she feared for her life after he had been talking to her um, about guns and things that he can do to her, and, 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 and she shot him. So now I, I watched the documentary, which is on YouTube, and listening to the life that this child has led, I just can't see how anybody could have charged her first degree murder and as an adult. I just can't see it. Yeah, because she was 16 at the time. Um, I don't understand that either. I don't know all of the details, but it seems like a 43-year-old man with a 16-year-old child in this house, something is not right. I would agree with that. I would agree that something's not right, and there's no reason for them to be there. And then when you hear her life, you know, she was given up for adoption, but not a court-ordered legal adoption. Her mom was in trouble and said to her neighbor, can you take my baby? She said yes. And then this girl has been out there in the street hustling. Um, Her mother's side of the family has history of mental issues, so we don't know if any of that, you know, came on to the girl. She was with a psychologist talking for a while on the documentary, um, explaining how, and the the psychologist said that she had separation agreement, and she explained, the girl 
explained, had a list of the people who she's had sex with. And I think there were 38 plus people on the list. And she would just go down the list, and this one I didn't know, and this one I did, and these three were family members. So the child has been traumatized, and then it continues. So I just don't understand. And the only thing that makes any sense is the color of her skin. I don't know if that's the only thing that makes sense to me. I think what else? What I think that the larger picture here is the criminal justice system as a whole, and it's who's broken. actually in charge of the criminal justice system. And when I say who's in charge, is mainly white men. They mm-hmm. set the tone. It's mainly white men that are regulating rules and policies and procedures in this country. So white men have a hard time convicting and looking at victims any other way than what's favorable towards white men. This happens all the time. I'm not saying that her circumstances is right because it's definitely wrong, but in most cases, when you have a penal system that is largely in favor of one group of people, which is the white man, we're going to always look at the whole system through their perspective. So that's where people can lose sight of sentencing a child as an adult because throughout the whole process, you're looking at this whole perspective from a white man's perspective. They're looking at the loss of this white man. So you don't think that the white man's perspective can see his daughter in this young girl and all she's been through because she's not white? Absolutely, he cannot see that happening for his white child. That's where people lose empathy for people of color. Mm -hmm. Because if you could visualize that happening to you or somebody you would know, then you would think about it differently. But if you never visualize that, if you never see that happening, like this could never happen to me. But to me, I think that that when it comes to a lot of sexual deviant behavior in this culture, It stems from a lot of we're not going to really penalize that white man because they see it from their perspective because that white man is somebody's uncle. That white man is somebody's son. They see it from that perspective. So they do have the empathy like this man, we can't convict him or we can't accuse him of anything because he, we can relate to. We can relate to him. Do you know something, Leslie? There's there's a lot of facts in what you're saying. There's a lot of facts because when I watched the documentary, you know, um, they were questioning the young girl on on, on the stand, and um, the lawyer said to her, well, that's your side of the story. We can't ask Alan because you killed him, right? So, like, nothing that she said meant anything or could be validated because the man who's dead happens to be white, could not validate anything. So it's it's crazy. I, it, this is our, this, but this is our legal system, though. Just like you would see, I, I, I was I saw something on social media where they they lined up the two cases, that of Centaur and that of a young man who was caught raping a inebriated out of out of you know she was not conscious. He was raping her, got caught, 
in the act of raping her. He only got six months in jail, but he was white. This was the college. So they identified him. Huh? This was a white male college student, wasn't it? Correct. But they, whoever saw this case or heard this case or who was a part of this case, identified with not destroying that young white man's life. Never mind what he did to the victim. It was about his life. There's a petition that you can sign. It's moveon.org, free Centoya Brown. Um, I don't know if that helps. But according to what I've been reading, um, Kim Kardashian has signed on to hire her attorneys to see if there was something that they could do to retry her. But but her life, 13 years is a long time to sit in jail. You know, what kind of life is she going to have after this? She's going to have the kind of life that she's going to have to design and build for herself. You You could capitalize on your misery. You turn yeah. your testimony, you turn your test into a testimony. So if it's God's will and she's able to get out, there's a lot of things that she can do in terms of her life and as an example and what, what it means to be trafficked as a young person. She has a lot to share with society. She does. She has a lot to share. I just don't know, you know, how do you get there? How do you get to where she is? You know, I, I, I did watch the documentary, but I just can't understand. You know, I know women that have had babies young, and, and they didn't resort to the same things. I just don't understand how you get there. Well, and how do you I mean, if her story, it says she, I think, ran away at 16 from home. Um, right. And then she met the guy, the, her, her future pimp, his name was Cutthroat. And he, you know, he's the one who started the whole brainwashing. You know, he told her she was nothing but a whore. The best thing he could do, she could do rather, is just get used to being a slut. And so at 16, the person that is your provider, so to speak, and providing a a meal for you and a warm place to stay is letting you know that's all you're ever going to be. So he started brainwashing her early and, you know, it just ended up that the self-esteem, there was no self-esteem. But let's get the bigger issue of that, like you say you don't understand how, it happens every day because this society does not protect the most vulnerable amongst us. We don't protect our children. We don't protect our sick. And we don't protect our elderly. And everybody has to be out there and fend for themselves. So you get caught up in a life of sex trafficking because it's based on self-preservation. It has nothing to do with self-esteem. At 16, you're still trying to figure out who you are, and you're trying to live, and you're trying to, you know, not go hungry, be on the street. You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to a lot of things when you don't have the proper proper guidance in place or proper housing or proper um, parental you know, whoever's supposed to be raising you at that point, if it's not in place, then you fall susceptible to anything in order to survive. Yeah, yeah. And her mom was in jail. Her mother was in jail when she gave her up at a very young age. And, and the neighbor was was saddled with the uh, responsibility of raising a child where it wasn't done through the court system. So she wasn't financially um siphoned for her. She she got no help. And it I guess the child could not even relate to the woman who was raising her, which was the neighbor. 
you know, because she wouldn't talk to her. And the neighbor was also on the documentary. And, and some of the things, was a black woman, some of the things that she was saying just seemed bizarre to me, you know, how, how she didn't know and, and she didn't couldn't see and, and she didn't realize the girl was missing for so many days. It just seemed so bizarre for me when people just discard other people's lives like that. It's just, it breaks my heart. It does. It breaks my heart. These are the things that happen all around us every day. It happens. Yeah, there's lots of neighbors that time. never talk to their other neighbors. Exactly. You never, you your neighbor could go missing for years and you would never notice because most of us don't talk to our neighbors like that. And then on the flip side of that, your neighbor could be into some type of behavior that will never get exposed on a daily basis. Something really tragic has to happen. Like right. You hear about it all the time. You hear right. about people who are trafficking young people and they're, they got a whole host of people in their basement, kids in their ba- That could be your neighbor that you speak to every day on a very casual basis. Hey, how you doing? And deep down inside, there's something real wrong going on up in that house. Going on in that house, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I just hope in, in the, today's um, climate with every woman all of a sudden deciding that she wants to expose men that have been abusing her, I hope that in this current climate that this young girl gets a voice and gets heard because there's, you know, every day you hear on the news about a new woman that's accusing another powerful man of sexual abuse. And these are powerful men. You know the, the common man that's not powerful, that doesn't have a um, a national well-known name is going on there too. And I hope those women are standing up and and saying something as well. But you know what, Terry? It seems like what's being exposed now is after decades and decades, years, centuries of this right. conversion that goes on. And nobody right. talks about it. They just sweep it under the rug. Oh, that's just grandpa. Oh, that's just uncle so-and-so. And they sweep it under the rug. People have gotten accustomed to live in that kind of abuse. Yeah, I think some of it is real old. Like you hear stories like with Bill Cosby, stuff that happened in the 70s and 80s. And then there are women that said, they, you know, they did a movie with a man last year and he was groping them just last year. So it's been going on for decades. I'm just glad right now women are speaking up from women that are working in Congress, talking about all the politicians that are perverts to the Hollywood directors that are perverts. I mean, it's in every industry. Well, you know, it's so funny. I saw a clip on The View. It was an old one because mm-hmm. Barbara Walters was sitting on the panel. And Corey right. Haim, I think, Corey Felder, uh-huh. there's two Corys mm-hmm. that grew up in the, six, the 70s and the 80s. And one of the Corys, I think he's dead now. I can't remember which one. But the other Corey did an interview with Barbara Walters, and this was probably probably back in 2008. And they were talking about child stars and the things that he went through and and basically, he was saying there's a lot of perverts in the industry. And apparently, something happened to him and his friend, Corey. And, you know, he's saying that parents have to be very careful that this, you know, you're so busy wanting your kid to be a star that you leave them vulnerable and victim to these powerful people who are, are, are less than nice and are doing right. They'll things. They'll promise to the stardom, but for that stardom ticket, you have to give up yourself. 
respect and your exactly. Yeah. And Barbara Walters par- kept questioning him in this interview. So what you're saying is is that you know this is prevalent in Hollywood. You're talking about a lot of pro- um, prominent people. He's like, yes, that's exactly what. So she didn't even want to give credence to what he was saying back in the eighties. I mean, back right. in um, 2008, what was his experience? So it's not just women. It's, it's, it's people of power victimizing somebody under them. Yeah. And, that, and, 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 and it's starting to become, it, it's exposed. It's exposed now. It's not going back in the closet. So now it's just a matter of how many more cases are we going to hear. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, happening every day. You hear about a new celebrity. Yeah. Somebody on the news, I just uh, mentioned last week the guy on Channel 9, um, CBS rather, the old guy that was on Morning with Gail Gail King. You're talking about Rose? Charlie Rose, yeah. I mean, every week it's somebody new, and it happens everywhere. Corporate America, on TV, Hollywood, um, Congress, it's happening everywhere. My fear is since it's like the floodgates have been open as a society, are we going to get desensitized to it and know I like, think oh, we're yeah, already desensitized. I think we're already desensitized to it. We're already that <gasps> factor is already gone. You know, it's like but oh, these men, a lot of the men, the, the powerful ones, you know, luckily some of them are paying for it with their careers. They're getting fired. They're getting their Hall of Fame, Walk of Fame star removed. They're getting credits for movies removed. Um, just today or yesterday, John Conyers, he resigned from the committee in um, the house that he was the leader of. So oh, he did resign. Okay. Yeah. Just from the committee, not from his job. He still keeps his job, but the committee that he was the, um, that he presided over, he resigned as head of the committee. So some of them are paying for Terry, that's not enough for me. You know why? Well, I mean, yeah, that? I mean, some people are it's saying, well, yeah, he should lose his job. Yeah, I agree. That, that's not enough. And the reason why I say it's not enough. I think enough, they need to be tried. When it, comes to, when it comes to the way that they hand out sentences on the flip side, when it comes to a, somebody that's being charged with something and they're so heavy-handed on the sentencing, they need right. to be equally as heavy-handed on the accusation, and then let's bring them up on some charges. Just because they lost their job, their lifestyle doesn't change because they've already no, made No, because they've already dollars. made enough money to support their lifestyle. They'll be fine. Losing their job will probably be a relief. I can retire now, and I don't have to go to work. Like you said, Leslie, I agree. The same heavy hand that you had when you decided that Centoya needed to be tried as an adult and sentenced to life in prison is the same heavy hand that should be given to these people that are coming up on charges today. And that whole statute of limitations should be eliminated. It shouldn't even exist when it comes to stuff like this. Well, why do you think that people wait so long and just bring it up 10 years later? Because of the stigma that's placed on, on women, because first thing that happens is there's no sympathy for the women. There's no sympathy. There's no empathy. She must be a hoe. She must be a slut, and they're going to drag your name through the mud, and anything that you've ever done, any skeleton that's in your closet is going to come out. Although you may have been promiscuous, but you were promiscuous giving permission, that's going to be brought into court and decided, well, she was already promiscuous, so that meant it was okay for whomever to do whatever they wanted without her permission. There's a difference with being giving you permission, and there's a difference when there is no permission. But that's not how it's done in court. They decide no matter how your sexual activity is, 
that's going to be how they're going to judge the case. Not on the crime that that man did to you, but what your sexual life was. And women don't want that exposure. They don't want all of that out and made public. And then it's a, it's a time of your life. When you're in your teens and your 20s, you don't even know how to tell that story. And if you're going to be believed. I and mean, sometimes, sometimes I'm a young girl and I'm telling somebody that the district attorney was following me around in a mall and he even made advances to me. Somebody, he just like, just like Roy Moore told his victims, I'm the district attorney. Who's going to believe you? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they believe that. Just like since Hoya was, was programmed by Cutthroat to believe that she was nothing, she was just a hoe and she's never going to be anything, that's how those women are feeling. They're feeling the same kind of stuff. Yep. And, I mean, think about, I don't, like I said, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I was never sexually abused, and I don't know what that feels like. But just think about the average young person who's dealing with some type of situation in their own family. Like, I, I've heard stories. I know somebody whose mother pretty much said, just, let's not talk about that. How do you? Really? Yeah. Wait, the, the child is being abused. And, and of course, I don't something want you to. I don't want to. Happened. Something happened. I don't know what the level of abuse was, what was the situation, but when she confided and told her mother, it was easier for her mother to say, let's not discuss it. Yeah, I've yeah, heard that, that happen before. You know, you hear about stories like that where people just, you know, there's something we just don't discuss. It's just like we're not going to discuss it. Yeah, that's just uncle so-and-so. That's just your grandfather. And stay and away stay from away from whatever the case right. is. And that happens more often than not. Yeah, and it that's why doesn't... women take a long time to say stuff. And some that's never why. say yep. anything. Some rather just say, you know what, I dealt with it, it's over, it's done. And then some of them have the guilt. You know, they start to believe the hype that mm-hmm. they created this. You know, because your skirt was so short, that's why this happened to you. And if you would have just worn your shirt down below your knees, I mean, your skirt down below your knees, everything would have been fine. And that guilt takes over. And they start to believe that he did this to me because of something I did. So I, I can't, how am I going to accuse him? I shouldn't have done that. And that's never Let's the case. Let's be honest. If you're groomed by the right person, first of all, we're talking about sex. In a comfortable, perfectly normal situation, sex is supposed to be good. Exactly. So part of it, you may enjoy what your what your abuse is doing to you. Well, that's what this Centoya was saying. She's like, you know, out of this list here, there were several people that I did lust after. You know, because she was groomed early on. And like you said, Leslie, sex is a good feeling. So you may not be able to relate abuse with a good feeling. If he's not bashing your head up against the wall while he's trying to have sex with you and everything is smooth, there's that conditioning going on, you know? Yep. Yep. This is, you know, society, we as a society are very sick. I mean, we're sick. The stuff that's starting to come out, this is nothing new. This is all sick and perverted. That's nothing new. The only difference is, is that we got social media to our access and we talk about it a little more than we did 100 years ago. This is nothing new. 
I'm just glad there are women that are coming to the aid of other women, you know, women that do have power and money, even if it's somebody like Kim Kardashian. I know she's not everybody's favorite personality. Yeah, she's not my favorite, but I give her attention. Yeah, she's bringing something that is really abusive and excessive to national attention. There's no way a young girl at 16 should not even be eligible for parole until she's 69 years old, until she's an old woman, for something that was done to her. Right. But you know what? um, This this goes back to how many people are in jail. This young woman got exposure because somebody picked up on her story. Mm -hmm. Had nobody picked up on her story, she would just sit there for the next however many years you're right, because I'm sure there's probably a hundred more Centoya oh, than me. Yeah. There's thousands. And see, this is, the, this is the problem that I have with our court system. It's not equally, it's not, it's not balanced. You know, the scales of justice are definitely unequal when it comes it's to broken. crime. It's definitely broken. It's, it's unequal in the sense that of crime how we hand down sentences, who we consider a victim as opposed to, I mean, I've heard cases where there was this one case, I forgot what this young lady did. It had something to do with a young student and she was a teacher. And somebody even brought up the fact that they thought she was too pretty to go to jail. What the hell does that mean? Wait a minute. Wait, she her, was her a white was woman. She's too pretty? Huh? Her defense was she's too pretty for jail, so we're no, going to no, let no. her that go. That wasn't her defense, but somebody brought that up to aid in her defense that she was too pretty to go to jail. She was abusing kids. You're never too pretty for that. No. You, you, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, You're never too pretty for that. doing that. But those are the things that happen that makes our, our, our justice system unequal. So if I'm black and I weigh 500 pounds and I'm abusing somebody, I'm good to go to jail. Yeah, you're good. You're not pretty. You're heavy. You can take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And even if I'm black and I'm skinny, I'm still good enough to go to jail. Right. The key word in both of those sentences is black, right? The key word is pretty enough. And who's, who's, the, who's the person to determine who's pretty enough for anything? My heart aches. You know, the whole bias in the system, in the judicial system, is, you know, is deep. You know, it goes from the policemen to the attorneys to the prosecutors to the judges to the politicians that set the laws. I mean, it's... And to the jurors that... The jurors that sit on these these cases, the people that avoid jury duty, when you're supposed to be tried by a, a, a jury of your peers and your peers don't even mm. want to go to jury duty. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unequal. I mean, the sentencing that goes on, how you can make a discrepancy or, or, or cast a difference between crack cocaine and, and powdered cocaine and, and come up with different sentences. How's that? Right. It's crazy. Well, you know, Kim is the first one that put her um, her attorneys on, on the case, but there were several other uh, celebrities that were tweeting about it and trying to bring um, the case to the forefront, like uh, Rihanna, 
who actually was the person who sent the initial post about the case via Instagram. And LeBron James and Snoop Dogg and a couple of other people have been posting. And there's even a campaign, hashtag free Centoya Brown. So if, if whatever time you want to go in and just put that hashtag out there, that may help. You know, I'm not sure how that helps, but I know if you go on to moveon.org, there's a petition to free her. You can sign up the petition. You can share once you've signed to get everybody on your page to sign. I just think at 16, um, the life that she's lived being turned out, for lack of a better word, at such a young age and abused and beaten and sold to an old man for a 16-year-old girl, she deserves another chance. She deserves another chance at life and to, to try to get something out of this life. You know, she's, like you said, Leslie, the court system is broken. It, it's not serving her properly. But it's not serving a lot of people. The jail system has turned into a profit system. So you have a oh, yeah, lot a of people yeah. that are it's, in jail serving these long, harsh, harsh sentences for something that can we possibly rehabilitate them, redeem them, fix them in some kind of way? But if you just lock people up and throw away the key, that doesn't serve anybody. Well, there's no rehabilitation because if you rehabilitate, then you won't have offenders offending again and coming back. And this is a business, and the business only survives on the numbers. So they have to put people in jail at alarming rates with harsh sentences so they can keep their business running. If there's no prisoners, there's no jail business. And jail is a business. It's not a place for inmates to be rehabilitated. You know, you may talk that talk, but that's not what goes down. That is definitely not what goes down. I don't know. I don't know. So let's 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 try this on for a minute. Um Imagine this was your daughter. Where would you be? How? What, what, what would you do at this stage? What kind of mother am I? Like, you can't put that hypothetical out there and say, what, yeah. what would I do? What kind of mother am I? Because if I'm the mother I am today, this shit is not going to happen. So we right. won't even have to worry about that. But if I'm a mother who is struggling to survive, if I'm a mother who cannot provide for my kids, if I'm a mother who's addicted to something, it's going to go a different way maybe. So you got to tell me what kind of mother am I. Well, you're, you're, you're her mother. You know, I don't even know if you can look through somebody else's glasses in a scenario like this, but you're her mother. And you, you, you had a rough life. You gave up your daughter. You rehabilitated yourself. You're no longer living that street life the prostitute life, you're not doing drugs, and you've rehabilitated yourself, and now you're, you're trying to reach out to your daughter and build a relationship after all of this has happened. You know, how, how, how can you rebuild? You know, how can you rebuild on that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm with Leslie. I don't know if I can even put myself in those shoes because I don't know what her mother's mental state is. Um, you know, right. when she, when all of this happened, she was clearly in a state where she wasn't even able to pr- protect or provide or guide her daughter. And so I don't even know if they even have a mother, a normal mother-daughter relationship. It, it's hard and, to, for me to put myself in her shoes. And you also have to remember, now that the mother is good or somewhat good, she has broken the bond or the trust that her daughter would even have in her. You must me. 
Right. Yeah. That's why I said you know, I don't you know, know if they have long, a normal relationship. She longs, she longs for her mother um, to explain some stuff to her. You know, she was annoyed. Now, now and I watched the documentary, and in the documentary, she was concerned that her mother hadn't written her for all these years, and she thought that her mother never checked for her. But as it turns out, um, the woman who was keeping her for the mother kept the letters that the mother wrote from her from her and she was devastated because all she wanted all of this time in her life is to understand why her mother got rid of her why her mother gave up gave her up and to know that her mother was checking for her and looking for her and writing her letters and drawing pictures and all of that stuff and no one allowed her to see that she she was she was devastated she said you know the moment i was able to read those letters should have been given to me now clearly her mother was writing to her from jail so i guess the woman who was taking care of her was trying to protect her on some level, but I think that protection uh, backfired. It, it backfired, and, and giving her that separation um, diagnosis that the psychologist did, that she was suffering from, from separation anxiety, and she was never able to build bonds with anyone except for cutthroat, and that bond was built clearly not because she trusted him, because she feared him, you know? I yeah, her know. story is 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 a is an extreme because I mean she just from the time she was probably really little just had a really rough life. She had a mother in her life that wasn't capable of raising her, and she runs away and and falls into the arms of somebody else that abuses her. I mean she just had a really really hard life, and abusers see that. That's how they are able to prey on people. They see that's that. That's how they know yeah. which they ones. Know right? that. exactly. They know they, that's they, how they can figure they know that which out. One. They know exactly who to, to, like I said, I had such a big mouth coming up that everybody was like, mm-mm, she's going to say something. And, I, and I'm, I'm making that assumption. No one's ever tried anything, so I don't know. But I know that I did. Now, I don't know if something would have happened to me that would have shut me down. And I would have right. no longer been that talkative little girl, but that would have been keys and clues for my mother and father. Like, why she ain't talking? She always talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they do prey on certain people and people like her that they know they don't have a support system. They don't have a family that cares or can care or is in a capacity to care. That's who they prey on. Yep. I mean, I I hear like stories now, like. Not mentioning any names, but someone brought it to our attention that a family member of theirs, she is shut down. She's a young girl, shut down. Nobody can understand why she's not talking. When you ask her questions, she just cries and she doesn't want to give up any information. Can you imagine how frustrating that is as a parent that your child is breaking down right in front of your eyes and she's not offering you up any information? And I'm not yeah, talking about that, a parent that's strung out or whatever. I'm talking about a, a, maybe a single parent that's got a lot of responsibilities on her plate, but she noticed right away when her daughter shuts down and when she starts mm-hmm. asking questions, she's not giving her enough information fast enough so that she can remedy the situation. That's frustrating. Yeah, that's Because you want to help your daughter. Yeah. And in that situation, you might have to send your child to a counselor, somebody else that maybe they can confide in. Because a lot of times kids well, that, don't, don't want to talk to a parent. Well, that's what they're doing now, but that's a slow process. I yeah, think the way the hell is going on now, 
so that I right. if somebody I need to kill, I can get at them. You know, mm-hmm, I can't wait mm-hmm. to decide you're going to open up. Because if I need right, to kill somebody, right. I need to know who it is. Right, so I, I might get out there and do what I need to do. <laughs> right, and I might be sending you to that known person every day, not knowing that this is a situation. Babysitter, mm-hmm. after school care. I might be sending you there every day. School, I don't know this is going on if you don't tell me. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, I don't know if you ladies have seen it, but I encourage everybody to go to YouTube and watch this documentary. I mean, it it does pull on your heartstrings. It definitely does. But I think it's 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 important to hear the story and understand the story and not become uh, desensitized about stuff like this that's happening every single day. And for whatever reason, Les, this particular woman... It, it rests on my heart, and I know there's many, many, many more women sitting in prison, you know, dealing with the same thing that she's she's dealing with. But this particular story, when it came on my news feed last week, my heart broke. It just absolutely broke reading what her life was about and what, what she's going through. And I think about the relationships that we have and, and how important it is to build those relationships with your children and everybody else that surrounds your children so that you can avoid, hopefully, some situations like this. You know, whether she could or not, Avoid this. We'll never know because of what she grew up in. But um, it's just sad. I don't even know what else to say. It's just sad. I'm just. And I think it's important that um, Mm -hmm. we, at our age, we can reach back and help some of the younger women, the women in their 20s and 30s that may not have a female figure that provides that good advice, that um, life experience. just being able to be there for young women, younger women younger than ourselves, to provide yeah, that guidance is important. I'm just thankful for our entertainers and people with means that want to jump in on this case because it seems so daunting and overwhelming. And as an individual reading that story, I don't know how I can help her. But somebody that's sitting on a bank account that can get some money and throw some money at it, that makes mm, me feel yeah. good. You need yeah, somebody to be able them. to throw some money at that. And keep throwing the money until the girl is gone. You need to have some deep pockets for that. So, again, Miss Kardashian, Kim, it's not my favorite chick, but she is now. Okay? She is now. You look at these pictures, you know, watching this girl. She looks like... A girl that I went to school with, you know? She looks like a a young girl that I went to school with. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, ladies, I don't know what else we can say about this. Maybe we should just take a break or just call it quits right here and just leave this out there. Again, there's a petition, petition, moveon.org, where you can sign a petition to free Centoya Brown and... um, they're looking to get 400,000. So far, they have 390, 614 signatures. So if you sign the petition, pass it on, share it on Facebook, tweet it, Instagram. And what does the petition do for her, um, Tracy? It is signing to agree that you want to free her. And I guess somehow this is going to be used to um, help in her defense if there is a new okay. trial is, is granted, you know, saying that people are reaching out for her and they want to see something happen. Um, okay. They're looking for clemency or at least um, 
a new trial. But they're asking, the petition is specifically asking for clemency by the Tennessee governor, Bill uh, Haslam. And Bill Haslam doesn't sound like a brother, but... What he said, this is in Tennessee? Yeah, this is in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know what I do want to add to the conversation? There's an app. There's an app out there called Five Calls, and anybody Mm -hmm. can download it. And within that app, it will give you things that are locally related to your area in terms of legislation and who are the contact people that you should call. It even gives you a script of what you should say to that person if you get them on the phone, if you get them, you know, if you get to leave a message. So that this way, if you don't know what to do in some situations, at least with the five-call app, there may be situations that that are going on within your state or something that's local that you may want to have a voice on, and the five-call apps helps you to, you know, contact your correct people. Like the thing that, that's on the table now that I don't know if everybody's discussing is the idea that the uh, person is in the White House wants to do away with net neutrality. Okay, you might as well yeah. just say, how about if yeah. we do away yeah. with automobiles and everybody go back to horse and buggy? Come on. He's crazy. You, you, you're talking about the FCC and, and, and changing the rules on how we access the Internet and what we can access? Correct. But there's yeah. there, on the five-call app, it tells you who are your Senate, Congress people, who are the people that you need to contact to sit, to voice your opinion on what you want to see happen in this situation. And if enough so people ask, are if calling, I, if I download, I'm going to get information from my area. When you download, you get yeah, your area. You put in your zip code. It, you put in your zip code. It's zip, it's zip code specific, but it has okay. a lot of the situations that are going on within your state. More than likely, it has an impact on the country. So if you download the app, it's going to tell you who are the correct people that you should be contacting in reference to that situation. And there's several situations that are coming up that that you have that we need to be on, speaking out. You again. need to call you know, the right people. Right. That's a great app because trying to get towards people on the phone is is impossible. And having an app where you can have access to an office, and now everything is done by an app, you know, by tweeting, by social media, some level. So that's a good thing to have. Thanks for sharing that. Well, if the SDC does away with net neutrality, we'll go back to snail mail and writing letters. <laughs> yeah, because that will make America great again, right? I'm sure. Snail mail. It's crazy. Any last words, Terry? Last words. I'm just happy that in this time that we're living in, in 2017, women are... Um, courageous enough to speak up. Now there's numbers and numbers of women speaking up, so feel free if you have something to say to have your voice heard. Now is the time to do it. Yep. I agree. All right, thank you. I do too. Thank you for listening. This is Love Talk, Love Talk for Everyday People. We have a new episode every Sunday. Have a good night. Good night. Good night.